Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Switchcraft is brought to you live three times a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern and on Saturday at whatever time I can get to it. Tune in live over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. This episode of Switchcraft is brought to you by Martin Cook. Support Switchcraft and my other content for as little as a dollar over at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. If you are looking for ways to help support the show, there's many ways you can do it. Uh, a very easy way is to give us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Please do that. I read every, every single one. So if you are enjoying the show, let other people know that you like it. All right. And that's very easy. Just go to Apple Podcasts and review the show. Another way to do that or to support the show is to head on over to runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. There's a myriad of, of ways that you can support the show. I'll list it over there. I really appreciate everyone who's done so already. Nintendo has a return policy that is less than optimal. That's something I teach my students to say. They always they always want to say, this sucks or that sucks, and I always teach them, no, no, we don't say that here. We say less than optimal. So that's what we're going to say about Nintendo's return policy. And it's actually against the law in Europe. There was a law passed, I can't remember when, but I've talked about it on the show before, uh, there was a law passed in Europe that basically says if you don't give uh, consumers a way to return goods that they haven't used yet, then you are breaking European law. And a lot of the video game companies were breaking European law, and they have after that was changed, and most of them fell into line and did the right thing. Nintendo is kind of like they drew a line in the sand and said this far, no farther. And uh, they they basically have said that they, they're refusing to allow cancellations uh, or refunds of things that are purchased on the eShop. Even if you buy something on the eShop and then decide, you know what, I don't want to... Um, I don't want to get this after all so i'm going to return it now nintendo kind of is trying to get around this saying look when you buy something on the eShop, even if it's a pre-order the download starts immediately and you start to receive that product immediately and if you've received the product then you can't return the product now for a, a, a long time now uh, Steam and Xbox and PlayStation, I think PlayStation, uh, they have allowed you to return uh, digital goods that you have purchased. In fact, it was kind of a huge deal when Steam unveiled a couple years ago that they were going to be doing that. And the reason it was such a big deal is because they had this really great return window. Uh, you had to, and, and I'm doing this from memory, and it's been a couple years since this happened, but uh, you had to have only played the game for a certain number of hours. I think it was two. 
and you had to have opened up the game or you had to have done the return within two weeks of purchasing the game. So even if you downloaded, you purchased the game from Steam, you downloaded it off of Steam, you installed it and started playing it and you played for less than two hours and you had it on your machine for less than two weeks, you could then return it for a full refund. I did that probably probably once. It was the it was the Square Enix port of Final Fantasy VII to the PC. It was a pretty terrible port, and I wasn't happy with it, so I ended up returning it, got my money back, no questions asked, Steam. They did the right thing. Uh, Nintendo is basically saying, look, we've already delivered the product to the customer, even if the customer can't play it. So therefore, the customer has completed their transaction, and we are not going to be um, complying with this law. And so what's happening is Germany is taking to Nintendo, what? No, Germany is taking Nintendo to court over their eShop pre-order policy. And um, it's called the German Consumer Protection Authority. They're taking legal action uh, against Nintendo. And basically, it started out in Norway uh, early in 2018. And this is all from Eurogamer.net. It's a pretty big deal. And hopefully... Nintendo loses. Now, I know that there are people who will say that Bill is a, that they'll they'll call me a Nintendo apologist. And I don't think that that's true. I think for the most part, I tend to be pretty balanced. And when Nintendo does something great, then I applaud them for it. And when they do something foolish, then I chastise them for it. And for the most part, I spend more time applauding than chastising because I think Nintendo does a pretty good job. However, in this case, this is extremely anti-consumer, and I don't like um, I don't like what their response is. Basically, they have said, "Look, Article 16 of European Consumer Law uh, says the customer, or I'm sorry, says that." Uh, they do not have to allow cancellation if the performance has begun with the consumer's prior express consent. And with the acknowledgement that he will uh, lose his right of re- withdrawal once the contract has been fully performed by the trader. So they're saying once it's, once they start downloading it, it's not you can't uh, return it. Um, the Norwegian Consumer Council... Uh, they're arguing that the company plainly states that all purchases are final. According to the right of withdrawal laid down by the Consumer Rights Directive, such terms are illegal. So they're basically saying if if you say all sales are final, you're breaking the law. You have to give the customer the right to return stuff. And I think that that's a good thing. And I hope Nintendo loses this lawsuit. And I think that you can already do that stuff here in the States, but I I'm not sure. I've never tried to return anything on the eShop. If you've tried to return something on the eShop and either been successful or unsuccessful, I would love to hear about that. Uh, there's lots of ways you can you can let me know. You can email me, uh, runjumpstomp at gmail.com. You can uh, send me a message on Twitter at runjumpstomp. You can uh, go ahead and, um, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, 
leave a message right down below and let me know if you've ever been able to return something through the eShop because I don't currently know what the US policy is. I think that this might be a precedent that might affect other regions outside of Europe. Europe. So uh, let me know what you guys think and, and let me know if you've ever run into this yourself. Back in March of 2017, Nintendo launched the, the Switch and, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. And if you go back to March of 2017, you'll find a lot of people complaining that Nintendo isn't making enough Switch consoles. Uh, Nintendo is constraining supply on purpose. And, you know, I've talked about this many times that that is not good business, and I don't think that it's what Nintendo does. I know that there's a lot of conspiracy theory out there that says that Nintendo purposely constrains supply in order to ramp up demand. I think that they are just a very conservative company, and because they're so conservative, they don't want to leave consoles sitting on the shelves unsold they underproduce the number of consoles because they are so conservative. And if you had asked most people, they would say that while the Switch had a very good launch, the sales could have been much higher because they didn't have enough supply in the chain. And to those people that would say that, I would probably agree with them. It makes a lot of sense. If they had more consoles on the shelves, then people would have been able to get them easier. It was difficult to get a Switch uh, back in March. And as time went on, it got easier and easier. But you can't argue with the results because according to BusinessWire, uh, Nintendo now has the fastest selling video game system of this generation. That means it sold more than the PS4 and more than the Xbox in the same amount of time, which is pretty crazy. Um, Nintendo is back on top, it seems. Now, that's you can't say that they're... You can say that they're outselling PlayStation and that they're outselling Xbox, but they're not the number one console because both PlayStation and Xbox have extra time ahead. Like Nintendo came into this generation of consoles late and it seems to be paying off for them because they're selling so much faster. Um, it's the fastest video game uh, generation through 21 months. So they're looking at the first 20 month, 21 months of sales, uh, according to the NPD group, uh, who tracks video game sales. Uh, it says right here, from its launch in March 2017 through November 2018, Nintendo Switch has sold more than 8.7 million units, outpacing U.S. sales of all other current generation systems at the same point in their uh, life cycles. Um, that's pretty great. And the software sales are also really crazy. Nintendo, in addition to selling... Uh, 8.7 million units that quickly. Nintendo is also overall the top U.S. software publisher in 2018. So this year, they sold more games from Nintendo 
than anybody else. And that's actually really interesting because if you look at 2018, there wasn't a lot of new games published by Nintendo. Most of the Switch's library from 2018 is coming from third parties uh, because they kind of dumped all of their huge names and huge games in 2017. So that tells me that a lot of these games are from 2017. We're talking Breath of the Wild. We're talking Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Splatoon 2, all those games that get Mario um, Odyssey, like all those games that came out last year, these huge heavy hitters. They were also big sellers this year. Um, Nintendo hardware unit and dollar sales for 2018, they're at their highest annual totals since 2011. Since 2011, like that is just bananas. Over um, eShop sales, so those are just digital sales, have grown over 105% since 2017. And it says here, Evergreen Nintendo Switch games uh, have set new milestones with Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, selling over 4 million and 5 million units respectively. Super Mario Odyssey has sold over 4.7 million units. And keep in mind that that's in one year and on the newest console. So like it's it 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 doesn't have the huge install base. You look at you look at things like the PlayStation which has a massive install base, it makes sense for them to sell 4.7 million units of something because there's so many PlayStations out there. One of them's right here next to me. But the Nintendo Switch, they don't have nearly as many sold because they haven't been on the market as long. So it's pretty amazing that they're selling uh, 4.7 million units of Super Mario Odyssey. That shows that there is a really, really high attach rate to first-party Nintendo published games. Now, when you look at that, uh, some people might might say, well, you know, people buy Nintendo consoles for Nintendo games. And while that's probably true for the most part, the third-party sales have also been really good. I've read story after story after story this year of third-party publishers who've either brought a new game to the Switch or ported a game to the Switch, and the sales on the Switch have uh, either met or exceeded uh, expectations of what has happened on other platforms. The the people are spending a lot more money on the Switch than they are on other platforms. And, you know, maybe that's because you can take it with you. And there are some people out there that will say, well, then let's let's uh, get a portable PlayStation out there. Let's get a portable Xbox out there. And I'm not opposed to that idea. I don't think uh, Microsoft is even a little interested. Microsoft seems to be the company that is only interested in having the biggest numbers. And, uh, you know, if you're an Xbox person, please don't take this personally. But I think a lot of Xbox, like, every time that that they get up on stage, they're always like, this is the most powerful console on the planet. And while that may or may not be true, I think it is true. It's, like, ridiculously powerful, the Xbox One X. While that may or may not be true, that's not the most important thing about a console. The most important thing about a console is how fun are the games. And Nintendo just always seems to kill it in the fun department. Uh, then we look at PlayStation. 
you know, Play, PlayStation had the PSP, they had the Vita, then they kind of folded up their tents and said, we're going to, we're just going to let Nintendo have the portable market. It's kind of dying anyway, because everybody's got their cell phones all the time. And it's too hard to compete with this little slab that you can carry around and keep in your pocket all day long. And I, I agree with that. It is hard to compete with that. But somehow, somehow Nintendo found a way to do it. And I think that's because the Switch also plugs into a TV. So uh, this story from Business Wire is very interesting to me. And I think that Nintendo are clearly onto something. And I'm very interested in seeing what happens at E3 next year. When the Switch first came out and people were having a lot of fun with it, a lot of people were speculating that Sony would follow suit and bring out a Nintendo Switch style um, piece of hardware at E3 for this year. And that didn't happen, even though we saw patents that made it look like that. Uh, but that didn't happen. Now, if you were to ask me, what, and if you were to ask me, why do I think that that didn't happen this year? It takes a long time to develop and test hardware. I'm not saying that Sony is is not working on this, and I'm not saying that they are working on it. But if they are working on a portable console similar to the Switch, then it's going to take a lot longer than going from May, I'm I'm sorry, March of 2017 to E3 2018 in order to make that happen uh, for PlayStation. And, like, I, I can't imagine how long the Switch was in development for. We might, if we're lucky, if if Sony is working on a portable competition for the Switch, if we're lucky, we might see something at E3 next year. And prob more, much more probable is that we would see it the year after because it takes a really long time to develop hardware and get everything just right. You can't just slap stuff together. Like you can't, Sony can't just slap a bunch of stuff together and say, look, it's just like the switch, but more powerful because they have design constraints. They have many more design constraints when it comes to something that is portable than you do when you have something that sits on a table because something that sits on a table can be plugged in all the time and it can have uh, easy ways to get rid of heat Something that's portable, you have to be very, very deliberate about how big it is, how much power it uses, uh, how quick it charges, how it dissipates uh, heat, all of those things. And solving all of those problems in a short period of time, I think, is too tall of an order to ask for any hardware developer who was caught flat-footed when Nintendo unveiled to the world the Nintendo Switch and showed us hey, portable gaming isn't dead. Atari recently released their collection of minigames for the Nintendo Switch. I wanted to take a couple of minutes to talk about my experience with a review copy of Atari Flashback Classics. Uh, first off, let's start right at the beginning. The menu looks pretty rad. I love the nostalgic colors. I like how... Um, everything looks like little cartridges. I think that that's really cool. Other than that, there's not much to the menu, but that's fine. I mean, that's not really what this is all about. If you don't know about Atari Flashback Classics, there are 150 games in this collection. Now, that that may seem like a lot, 
but most of them aren't that great. Uh, most of them don't hold up very well. It's not that they were bad games when they came out. It's just by today's standards, they're not very fun, and some can just be downright frustrating. Atari says that they use the unique features of the Switch. Uh, I wasn't quite sure what they meant by that. I kind of anticipated that that would mean HD rumble, which would be kind of cool. Imagine uh, having the HD rumble go off when your um, when your ship blows up in a game of Asteroids Deluxe, but that isn't the case. What they were just uh, actually talking about was the fact that they uh, allow you to use the touchscreen for some controls, and we are going to come back to that in a second. I want to talk about a couple of the other features first, though. The game features online leaderboards, which I think is really, really cool. It gives people a reason to keep coming back and and checking to see if their high score is still uh, up there. I don't know like how widespread this would be and I don't know if the um I don't know if it's cross platform for the I don't uh for for the leaderboards like if you're playing on the Xbox are you on the same leaderboards on the Switch I that's a a question that I don't know the answer to in addition to the leaderboards, they also have online connectivity. So you can theoretically play against somebody else on one of these old games. Uh, so I, I could host a, uh, host a, a session, I suppose, pick the game that I want to play and go ahead and, and play some other stuff while I'm waiting. And in the top right corner, there'll be like a little flashing icon that says, Hey, uh, you are open to allow people to connect to you. So you just play the regular stuff while you wait, and then hopefully somebody connects to you, and maybe you can play a round of combat together. Now, at the time of recording this, I never actually had anybody connect to me. I never saw any other hosts hosting. It is pretty early on. I mean, the game came out four days ago, so... I'm not sure if that's uh, just the case of not having very many people around, but if I were Atari and I just released this, I would, I, I don't, you know, I don't know what I would do. Maybe I would have bots running so that people could experience the online gameplay. I'm not sure. Perhaps if uh, the game takes off, there'll be more opportunity to experience the um, the online uh, features. That being said, I think it's really cool that they included this because the idea of being able to play uh, a game like uh, like Combat, which I poured hours into when I was a kid on the Atari 2600, uh, that little tank game, I would love to be able to play that online with people. I think that that's a really great idea. Uh, but again, I was unable to connect to anybody. Uh, the graphics obviously vary from game to game, and of course they're graphics from a million years ago, it seems like, so they're not very impressive, but I was actually really surprised how awesome some of the vector-style games looked. Like, Asteroids Deluxe, for instance, even had the background art below the gameplay, which is exactly what it looked like in real life. I was excited to try this out because... I actually have an Asteroids Deluxe Arcade cabinet in my office. 
Uh, Black Widow is a really odd game where you play as a spider defending your web from other spiders and flies. And then when you defeat them, they drop money. Uh, the colors in that game really pop off the screen uh, when playing it. And I love the art frames on the side of the screen. There are options in in the display options. You do have the ability to change how much the vector graphics kind of glow. And if you've ever seen uh, vector graphics in real life, then you'll know what I'm talking about with that. And if not, just, you know, you probably see some of the gameplay uh, in the video if you're watching this over on YouTube. If you're just listening to it on the podcast, then head over to the YouTube channel so you can see the graphics because they're pretty cool. Um, at first, I thought that some of the games were literally unplayable. For instance, trying to play the arcade version of Crystal Castles is... It's unbelievable how fast the character moves around the screen when using the joysticks. It made it really hard for me to get a feel for the game, and I was really disappointed. But then I decided to test out the touchscreen, and when I realized that that's how you're supposed to control some of the games that had like a rollerball or games that had a dial. And if you, if you're not old like me, you probably don't know what I'm talking about, but some old Atari 2600 games had a paddle where you would twist a knob on the paddle to move things left and right on the screen or up and down, uh, kind of like pong. Uh, there were arcade games where there was a giant trackball in the middle of the uh, control uh, console and that was how you controlled the game and that just does not translate very well to a joystick and buttons so the fact that I was trying to play games like that without the right control input that's just not available on the Nintendo Switch or any other platform really it didn't make a lot of sense so as soon as I pulled out the Switch into handheld mode and started started using the touchscreen, um, I was able to do really well in, in one of my childhood favorites, Super Breakout. Like, I loved playing that game when I was a kid, and I was able to play it again, and this is something that I've not and ever been able to do. I do have a RetroPie uh, loaded up with old Atari games, and I, most of them are just unplayable because I don't have the control option available to me. In on this because I have access to the touchscreen, suddenly it played like it did when I was a kid. Not perfect, but pretty damn good. Um, each game has an instruction booklet, which is pretty cool, though the scans felt to me like they were kind of low res. It didn't look very good when you zoomed in closely. I, I think that they could have done a much better job scanning these booklets. Uh, I always love looking at this kind of thing. Like some of the, One of the things that I do on my iPad is look at old video game magazines and just kind of flip through them. I, I always really like looking at that stuff. And it was a little disappointing to see how low res uh, the stuff in the Atari Flashbacks Classics was. I think the stuff that comes with the SNK 40th Anniversary Collection is a lot more complete, and I like their rendition of it better. I think that they did a better job getting higher res stuff. Uh, but it's kind of cool that you can look at this stuff uh, at, anyway. The collection comes with 65 achievements that will give you a reason to keep coming back to the game. I think that this is very cool 
so for instance, Frog Pond for the Atari 2600 has an achievement called Full Belly, uh, which you get for catching 100 flies. I didn't even really realize that there was achievements in the game until that achievement popped up on the screen. I was like, oh, there's achievements. That's kind of neat. I've never been one to go after achievements, but I know that there's a lot of people who adore that kind of metagame that can come from having achievements. You could, uh, try another example of an achievement is you could try and go an entire level of arcade asteroids uh, with a score of zero. I think a lot of people find this kind of thing attractive and that, like I said, the metagame um, will pull people back. A very cheap way to continue to to not monetize this game, but to keep people engaged with it would be for Atari to have DLC achievements. Not that cost money, but just free DLC achievements. Here's 10 more things that you can try and do in these games. It wouldn't cost Atari any money to add the, these things to the game. And if they just brought out like one a week, I think that that would keep people engaged with the game and, and uh, it would um, make the leaderboards probably... Uh, be more populated and if people are engaged with the game then maybe they'll also um, you know have host games and they could also have achievements that are related to online play I think that that would be really cool at the end of the day the Atari Flashback Classics Collection it comes with 150 games but most of them are pretty terrible so I guess the real reason, the, the real thing you have to ask yourself is, are the ones that you really want worth the price? So look at that list of games, and maybe you look at it and you say, oh, I'm sold just by Tempest alone. A lot of people would say that because Tempest is widely regarded as one of the best arcade games of all time. So maybe that's worth it to you. Um, I can't really answer if it's worth it to you. The only thing you can do is look at the list of games, which 150, and maybe there's something on there that really jumps out at you. I, I did notice that there were quite a few uh, that I remember playing as a kid that I never had the instruction booklet for. And now I'll be able to go in and maybe actually be able to figure out how to play games like Sword Quest uh, Earth World or Sword Quest Water World. I've never been able to figure out those games when I was a kid because I didn't have the instruction booklet because I got everything secondhand. Uh, anyway, thank you for uh, listening and I'll see you next time. Well, if you subscribe to the Nintendo Switch online service, uh, one of the perks, uh, and I, I say that loosely because this isn't something that I feel like should be exclusive to that, but whatever. Uh, one of the perks of being uh, a member of the Nintendo Switch Online service is that you get access to being able to order these. And for those of you that are not uh, watching the video, I am holding up my Nintendo Switch with the uh, NES controller Joy-Cons attached on the side, which is just a ridiculous looking thing. It looks really stupid, but at the same time, I think it looks really cool, too. Uh, I don't know how something can look stupid and cool at the same time, but apparently it can. Um, these work exactly like Joy-Cons. They've got a button on the back, which you can press in and take off. And then it it looks exactly like a 
a, an old NES controller, but it has a rail for docking on the top. It's got little lights so you can uh, see which player you are. Um, and then it, it also has L and R buttons on the very top, which are really, they're really only used for like menu navigation in, in NES online stuff uh, on the Nintendo Switch, which my wife and I tested this extensively last night. We, uh, we decided that instead of uh, watching a show, which usually my wife and I will go to bed and we'll like watch one show, one TV show, and then go to sleep. And instead, we fired up Dr. Mario, her favorite game, and she continued, uh, or she proceeded to destroy me at that game over and over and over again because she is much, much better than I am at it. Um, these are really, really cool. I think, I mean, these feel fantastic. I think that they feel better than the NES controllers that come with the NES Classic. I feel like the buttons are a little bit clickier. Like you can, you can hear the buttons there. Um, the, I, I, it, it's just, it works really good. There's absolutely zero, uh, latency. I have a RetroPie. And I ended up buying the 8-bit dough Bluetooth controllers because our TV, like our bed's on one side of the room, our TV's on the other side of the room, and we wanted to be able to play games like Dr. Mario without draping wires across the room so that the cats would be like, oh, look, something to chew on. Uh, so I ended up buying the 8-bit dough controllers, and that did not work because there, there was just too much input lag with the Bluetooth. And I don't say that that is the fault of 8-bit dough. I, I, I have read someplace that that is really more along the lines of a problem with the RetroPie. There's just not enough power for it to do everything it needs to do and run the Bluetooth at the same time. So um, a lot of times they'll be like, make sure you shut this off and shut that off if you're going to have Bluetooth on. And it just seemed like too much of a hassle, so I returned them. Um Using these with the Nintendo Switch is so much easier, especially because, you know, I've got a dock in here that I use whenever I'm streaming uh, my Nintendo Switch. We've got a dock downstairs that came with my son's Nintendo Switch that uh, we use if we're playing anything downstairs on the big TV. And then my wife and I have a, a dock in the bedroom, so if, like, she's sitting there reading a book or something, I can play up on the TV and whenever I would bring the RetroPie into the other room, I would have to unhook something from HDI and HDMI and then plug it in and then drape the cords across. It was such a hassle. And now all I got to do is grab the Nintendo Switch, walk into the other room, slap it into the dock, grab these controllers, and my wife and I can play Dr. Mario together. And it's really fun. And I, I, I'm hoping that we get more puzzle games. In fact... I, I recently tried out um, Lola. What was it? Was um, what is the name of it? Lola, Lola uh, the Adventures of Lolo. I think that's the name of it. It's a new, it's a new game. Well, not new. It's one of the the NES games for this month. Is the Adventures of Lolo? I tried that out. That was pretty cool. And then I tried Wario's Woods, which I had no idea was a puzzle game. I don't know if it has multiplayer or not. I'm definitely going to check into that because it looked like the kind of game that my wife would really like because she loves those puzzle games. 
And if you haven't checked it out yet and you have access to it, you should because I had some fun playing it. You've got um, these different colored objects on the bottom of like a tree and you control Toad and Toad like runs back and forth because I wanted to test these. So I was trying it out with um, I, I wanted to test these controllers. So I was testing it out with a bunch of different games. And you kind of run Toad back and forth, and you pick up these objects in order to get the bombs to land on them of the same color. Uh, it's kind of cool, very Dr. Mario-ish, or very very, very much like Columns, which was an old Genesis game. Um, I, I recommend you check out Wario's Woods. I think that I like that better than Lolo, uh, although Lolo is a very cool puzzle game as well, although very, very much single player, it seemed like. Uh, but anyway... I think that these are awesome, and if you like playing old NES games at all, then I would recommend that you pick these up. And you can only pick them up if you are a, Nint a Nintendo Switch Online subscriber. That's the only way that you can pick those up. And if you are interested, I put a link in the show notes that you can click on. It takes you to, to the uh, member exclusives so that you can order these. I think I'm going to click on the... Uh, on the thing here and see if I can find the price. They are 60 bucks comes with two of them and to charge them, you just slide them onto the side of the switch and it'll charge them up. They do have, and if you're watching the video, I'm trying to show it to you now. They do have like a little down arrow that tells you, Hey, this is the direction that you're supposed to put them in. So you end up putting them in or on the switch. Where's I'm trying to look at it here like this. So the the one that goes on the left side will have the D-pad on the top, and the one that goes on the right side will have the D-pad on the bottom. That's how that's how you charge them. I think it's really cool, and I'm happy that I got them. Both my wife and I playing last night, we were like, these controllers are great, because um, we were comparing them to the cheapo uh, SNES ripoffs that I have for our RetroPie, and this is, these are a thousand times better for the kind of game that we were playing. So... Uh, if you've tried these out, let me know what you think of them. I know some of you thought you were going to get a an episode without me mentioning Smash Brothers, but you were wrong. I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Um, this one is, there's, there's a bug, basically, and the bug is with Isabel. Now, if you don't know Isabel's moveset, it's actually really, really simple. Uh, she's got an option where she can grab an item, a projectile that's thrown at her and put it in her pocket and hold on to it for later. And she also has an uh, uh, a um a move where she takes out a fishing rod and and kind of casts it forward and grabs a hold of either uh her opponent or an item and pulls that towards her, okay? So if you get two Isabels on screen, okay? and one of them grabs an assist trophy and hits the pocket button at the same time that the other one uses the fishing rod and grabs the assist trophy, what will happen is it will take that assist trophy and duplicate it. So now there's two versions of it. And then the, uh, the Isabel, who has pocketed the assist trophy, has unlimited... Uh, assist trophies in her pocket that she can then pull out and produce. And somebody used this to produce an unlimited number of Waluigi assist trophies in the game 
which I find to be hilarious. Be careful what you wish for, people. I'm sure that Nintendo is going to patch this soon, but I thought it was funny and wanted to talk about it really quick. Uh, Got to get more Smash news in there. That's such a fun game. Um, before I wrap everything up, um, I've got a, an episode will be coming out on Thursday. I'm going to record on Thursday. I'll record it live again over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. Um, but Saturday's episode is already recorded. I sat down with the host of um, uh, Nintendo Pulse po- podcast, the two hosts there. That would be Lloyd Hannison and Stephen Munn. And I sat down with the host of Nintendo Powercast, which would be N64 Josh. And the four of us all kind of did a, a 2018 year in retrospective. What were our favorite things this year? Um, what, what were some of the announcements that we thought were exciting? What are we expecting for next year? And, you know, a bunch of a really, really long conversation. And that episode is going to come out Saturday or Sunday. I still got to talk to the guys and make sure that we're all in, agreed so that it's going to come out on everybody's feed. So um, if you subscribe to all of us, and you should, those those are great podcasts that I listen to. Uh, if you subscribe to all of us, we're going to have duplicate episodes. Just make sure you download mine, okay? But it's like two hours long. It's a really, really long podcast. And that leads us right up to Christmas. So Christmas week, I won't be having any new podcasts coming out, but that's okay because I've got two hours of content for you guys to listen to, which is actually more than I usually put out every week uh, of of Nintendo Switchcraft. So you've got two hours of Nintendo Switchcraft content next week. And um, Run Jump Stomp, my, my call-in show, Your Thoughts in Gaming, that will have an episode that comes out at next week, which I've already recorded. And I've got a bunch of people who called in about stuff. And that's going to come out um, on on Friday. And then... Next week, I've got probably two calls that people have called in, uh, and I'm going to be playing those as well as any others that I get throughout this week. Hopefully, I get enough uh, that I can put out the full episode for the 28th of December, but there won't be any live show podcasts during the week of Christmas uh, because I'm going to be spending time with my family. Now, that being said... I'm sure that I will find some downtime sometime during the that holiday week. And if I do, I will be streaming video games over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. So make sure that you head over there. And uh, thank you for listening to this little update. Now, holy good gravy. We are at like 43 minutes of uh, content for this episode. I don't know how... Uh, This episode got out of hand, but I'm going to shut up now and get out of here. The music for today's episode is by Zircon. It is uh, the Mega Man 3, The Passing of the Blue Crown uh, with Steppo 60 sounds. I don't know what that means, but it's a cool song. So make sure that you head over to runjumpstomp.com slash music and check out their stuff. That's uh, again, that's by Zircon. Um don't forget that if you want the full show, you can come and watch live over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. We record live uh, almost every time, and we have a blast over here, and there's segments that you miss if you're not there for the for the live show. That's usually on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3, 
uh, p.m. Eastern and on Saturday at whenever. So if you haven't already gone over to the site twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp, hit that follow button so that you are uh, notified when I go live. Uh, make sure you head over to YouTube as well and youtube.com slash runjumpstomp. Click on the subscribe button. Click on the little bell next to the subscribe button and every time I post a new video, you'll get an, a, an email to let you know so that you can watch it. And, uh, you know, secret, little secret here. I don't know if anybody's listening. All right, let's make sure that no one's paying attention to this. All you have to do is find the Run, Jump, Stomp, or no, the uh, Switchcraft playlist and just hit play and turn off your monitor and mute it and go to work and just let it play all day. That would definitely help me too. Um, although I just, I, I do want you to watch the videos because I, I do put a lot of work into them. Anyway, uh, with all that out of the way, again, if you're looking for ways to support the show, runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. Big thanks to everybody who already supports the show. So we've got Thursday's episode where it will be a live show, and then Saturday's already done, and then you won't hear from me for a week for live stuff unless it's impromptu, just me playing video games. And then we'll be back after that. Uh, so thank you, everybody. I'll see you all soon. Stay rad.